0: Hey, this is Heath Padgett. Welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 203. The RV Entrepreneur is a podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs, and I am recording today's episode from a little town in southwestern Colorado called Montrose. It's about an hour from Grand Junction and Telluride, which is probably a more known place, but we are going to be spending our winter here And this is actually going to be a home base for us moving forward. We're in our RV right now. It's late October, and there's like seven to eight inches of snow on the ground uh, a couple nights ago. So these are now things that we're going to be experiencing now that we're going to be basing ourselves out of Colorado for a little while. Today in the podcast, I'm interviewing Brandon Cave. This was actually an episode I had slated to be released in March of this year before our summit, but then I took a break from the podcast. So there will be some dated references on this episode. Brandon is a self-taught graphic designer for 10 years that grew a business from a side hustle to a fully sustainable business. He's published over 40 books on Amazon, The Ultimate RV Logbook is one of them, and he's ranked in the top 1% of books on Amazon. In this episode, we cover a lot, how RVing has helped Brandon's daughter come out of her shell, how much easier it's been to make friends as travelers than in quote-unquote normal life, Uh, full-time families, and how it's a must for any RVing family on the road. And we also talk a lot about the business side, how Brandon was able to use the retainer model for clients and how it worked helping him scale from no clients to some and then to a full-time job, how keeping clients on retainer means quote unquote, never taking a week off, how Brandon determined his pricing model for what to charge, and figuring out how many clients he could actually manage at one time. One of the takeaways for me from this episode is that Brandon followed kind of a similar trajectory to a lot of friends, including people like us, who have started with building skills, going and selling those skills to clients, and then ultimately figuring out how to take those skills that you've built up and transition to more passive revenue streams so you can take less and less clients and ultimately have more freedom that really aligns with this podcast and a lot of the people that you've heard on the show. I'm excited for you to get to listen to this interview with Brandon. And without further ado, let's get into it.
1: Brandon, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on the podcast. Hey, good morning, Heath. Good to be on, man. Thanks. So where in the world are you guys today? We're currently sitting just outside of uh, Fort
2: Worth, Texas uh, for the remainder of the winter. We're here over the holidays visiting family and, and then just trying to stay a little warmer. Uh, for the for the winter
1: (laughs) so uh, I, I was kind of like as I was prepping to have this conversation with you you, it's always fun to chat with people who have like different balls in the air because there's all these different kind of like strings that you can pull on. If you can hear, that's our daughter Ellie in the background. <laughs> We're now recording these <laughs> podcasts from the RV, so there will occasionally, instead of like a barking dog, be a crying baby in the background. Brandon, uh, if you could describe how your y'all's life has looked since you guys started RVing with your family while also running multiple businesses, like how would you describe it?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely there's a lot of irons in the stove, right? Different things going on and. We, we have essentially sort of one business with multiple, you know, brand names. And, uh, you know, some of that is the graphic design and media production side of the business. Um, and then some of that is some different products and things that we've started developing for specifically more for, you know, travel and adventure and RVers and things like that. And that brand, if you will, um, is Nomadic Souls Gear. And then the graphic design and media production side is uh, is Healy Studios. So that's, you know, that's the, the business side of what we do. We have, uh, have a wife and, and three children. Um, when we took off on the road, we had two children. And then later on welcomed our third, who is now 15 months old, I think. 15, 16 months old. We're, we're right in there.
1: <laughs> Thanks. And I want to get into your story and everything, but I just kind of also want to know like right off the bat, bringing a new one in on the road, that's something we're going through right now with Ellie, who's eight months old. How has it been trying to figure out and navigate life with a baby and two other kids and also with these multiple businesses that you kind of have in the air, even though they're all kind of in the same space in the same world? Have you guys been able to have fun adventures as well as continue to grow your businesses. You know, what has that been like?
2: It's been really fun. You know, welcoming a baby is, is always a blessing in any way that you do it. But, you know, doing it from the road is definitely different. It comes with its own challenge, challenges. You know, we have a 32-foot Class C, so space is definitely an issue. But we got that Classy when we knew we were having the baby, so it wasn't wasn't complete uh, unplanned in that way. Obviously, space is an issue. So as as you know, Lincoln is the baby. Um, as Lincoln grows, he needs he needs more space for just learning to walk and you know crawling around and all those things. So we've we've, we've gone through those different you know walkers and all that all that kind of stuff very quickly because it's it's got to be in for the time frame that we need it and it's got to be out you know quickly. So. Uh, fortunately we've also been able to visit some family and and some of that time frame has been that and families had actually space in their house and we sort of crashed with them for a little bit of that time too. So that's helped.
1: So how did you guys decide or start thinking about wanting to be on the road? Like what did that transition look like for you guys?
2: It was a pretty quick decision actually. I'll, I'll go back and say we've we've been doing the media side of our business since well before we started RVing. In 2009 we started uh, the he- Healy Studios uh, which was sort of photography and graphic design and uh, my wife was a photographer, and so we were doing a lot of that stuff. It was more so a uh, side hustle, if you will, and the graphic design of it started to really take off, and as we started welcoming more children, my wife started stepping away from the photography side of things more and more. In 2014, um, at the, so during that time, I was actually working for a, a parachurch ministry, and that, that ministry style started to decline a little bit, and they were beginning to lay off people, and I was one of the last people, fortunately, that that got laid off, but I did get laid off in 2014, which sort of forced us into, okay, we need to probably take this, this business to the next level. Um, Fortunately, I had welcomed a couple of weekly retainer clients, if you will, basically, you know, churches uh, that I was working for on a weekly basis for a few hours a week. And I use that term client, but I don't really love that term. It kind of feels businessy and not relational. I feel like accountants and real estate agents and lawyers have clients, but I haven't found a, a replacement for that term. So you hear me say it, but I don't love it. But that that's how the business started to grow. Uh, fortunately, right after I got laid off, one of the co-founders actually contacted me and said, Hey, we have some other work for you and you can do it completely remotely. And so I fell in love with that idea. Obviously I could be home with the family and,
1: and not have to commute or, I mean, half the time not even have to get fully dressed, right? So you had a full-time job and you were doing other projects kind of on the side.
2: Yes. Yeah. That's how the, that's how the graphic design thing started, you know, really. And it was just a, a sort of a passion of mine. Never really had any, you know, official higher education on it or anything. It was just something that I would, you know, self-taught and learned. How did you
1: find your first client for that?
2: You know, it was referrals really. So I was doing some stuff for the ministry And uh, and then there's a lot of people involved in that ministry. And so people just knew, you know, that I was doing some of that stuff and then different word of mouth started coming in.
1: A lot of people talk about starting side hustles and I think they're an amazing idea, especially because you can start, try things, see what works and what doesn't work and you're not kind of risking your family's well-being on a chance and you could run out of money. But I think one of the struggles of starting any type of side hustles. Basically you're, you have a full-time job and you have a family. So it's like, where do you actually have time to do things outside of all of those commitments? (laughs) Like where did, like, when did you kind of carve out time to do graphic design for various churches and things like that outside of like 40 hour week and family?
2: It basically, you know, during that time when I was doing both, um, it just came down to less sleep. You know, I would, I would get home and if there was anything you know, super pressing, I might, I might jump on for half hour, an hour and do something. But for the most part, I try to hang out with family. Uh, and and then once, you know, baby went to sleep and, and mama was going to sleep or whatever, then I'd jump on and work for an
1: hour or two, you know, more in the evening. So. Was it in the back of your mind that if you were to have a job transition, or if you were to be let go, like you would have like some type of momentum going, or did that just kind of happen totally separate?
2: Uh, I mean, that was in the back of my mind. I I knew I, I saw a couple of years ahead of time that the possibility of the ministry closing the doors or needing to lay off pretty much everybody was it was almost inevitable. So this was sort of a transitional idea for me. My my wife and I actually for years and years every every year on our anniversary we sort of take a moment to reflect and and also cast a little vision for ourselves. And throughout that, almost every year until it you know became uh, to be.
1: We would constantly say, "I'd really like to see you know this business become our system theme so you get let go and you're kind of now you have some remote freelance opportunities essentially and and then what happens? like are the kids in school yet, or like what's going on in your, in y'all's life? You're trying to make the business your full time thing, so like when did rVing enter the equation of going out and traveling? Is that something you guys had done before or or what no we
2: we had we had zero rVing experience. we sort of got to this point to where we were really realizing that, you know, we could do this from from anywhere. My, my brother had moved into a a gated community about an hour away from us. And I went to visit one time and I fell in love with that that community. And that's when it really hit us like, okay, we can live anywhere. Let's do it. So we were actually looking at houses there and we got to the point, you know, that poem, um, the road not taken by Robert Frost. Yep. We, so we we were kind of at that point where we're like looking at, okay, let's get a different house it would be been a, a bigger house and settle down. This is probably the forever house and those things. Right. And then my wife is actually the one that said, you know, we've talked about uh, one day retirement and traveling and, and doing all that stuff, you know, with an RV. Um, why don't we just do that now? So that, that idea seems super risky and foreign to me. It took a lot. Um, she was way more on board than I was, you know, at that point. But we really literally had gotten to that point where it's two roads right here. Right. Like so we can take this road and, and buy this house or we can sell our house and do the RV thing, completely different road. And, you know, at the end of that point, that poem it says, you know, and that has made all the difference, that road less traveled. So we we took that road and it. I think it was. Gosh, seven or eight weeks from like making that decision to you know having a house sold, everything purged, closed, and now we're quote homeless, right?
1: Uh, <laughs> so it was a very quick timeline. So what did you weren't on board, but what did she like? How did she sway you? Getting out and sightseeing and and traveling and all that
2: stuff. It's not it's not too hard to sway me. <laughs> but I think one of the biggest struggles that I had was I, I had grown up not with a whole lot, but uh, a lot of. Uh, vision for what I wanted out of life. And and one of those things was, you know, I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to, you know, want to buy the the brick house. I want to, you know, settle down and have this stable life. And I had all of that. Like I and I've had it for a couple of years now. We were there. And so then it was basically me turning the other direction from that and, and essentially sort of walking away from what I had known my whole life as this is the path. Right. So that was that was one of my biggest uh, hurdles and, and struggles with that process. But you know, having my wife who was completely on board, and not even on board, but she was really more of the driving force behind it, really really helped. And it, there was there was actually multiple times through that process where I had almost like a breakdown, like what are we doing? And she would sort of recenter me and as to what we're doing and why we're doing it and how this is going to be awesome. And it, it has turned out to be awesome.
1: What were like your biggest fears during this time? Like, I totally understand what you're saying. Like, if you didn't grow up with a lot, like, you were, it felt nice to have a job to be able to buy things and support your family. Outside of that, what were your fears looking at giving all that up to get on the road?
2: I mean, a lot of it's just, you know, really the fear of the unknown, right? I mean, it wasn't a lifestyle that we even were acquainted with at all. I'd done some camping, and my mother actually teased me when I, when we told her about it she said you hate camping what are you what are you doing <laughs> and uh, and i said yeah i think this is different though mom and it, and it really is tent camping and rving are really two different worlds but that was some of it a lot of it just the unknown of you know i i don't know the rv world i haven't traveled like this what are we getting ourselves into what is this going to look like in you know 5 years 10 years how long are we going to do it how are we going to if we decide to sort of re integrate back into stationary house life? What does that look like? Because we, we sold 90% of our belongings. We had a cargo trailer that was a 6x12 cargo trailer. We kept some heirloom type things in that and just stuff that we just couldn't sell. That was literally everything that we owned that we weren't taking with us.
1: And how old were your kids at this time? My daughter was three. Son was like 18 months. Wow. And, and how
2: long yeah, ago is right this like
1: 2015 or?
2: Yeah, this was, so we, July of 2015 is officially like our anniversary.
1: <laughs> nice. What has it been like? I want to, I want to talk more about like your Amazon store and stuff because I'm interested in all in getting there, but I'm also yeah. now interested in, and maybe if anybody's listened to this podcast for a long time now that, you know, we have a daughter, like, how have you, how have your kids been? Like, how have you watched them change or evolve? over now what's coming up on 5 years that's a big chunk of life to them how has it been for you guys as a family and seeing like them and how how have they been on the road one huge thing for us and one thing that I was going back to things I was kind of nervous about but my my daughter
2: was very timid very shy at that time i mean to the point of even some family that would come over that you know we know and had come over uh, you know a bunch of times she would still sort of recluse and you know, not want to visit with people. And this has actually really helped that for her because not to say she's sort of been forced in some situations, but she's been in more situations where there's new people. And so we've worked with her obviously, but she's also developed a, a much more, I don't want to say extroverted, a different approach. And she, she'll now carry on conversations with people of all ages, from anyone her age, younger up to, you know, we were in We're visiting Washington, D.C., and we took a little tour bus in, and she ended up sitting by a lady who was probably in her 70s. And my daughter and this lady carried on a conversation for 30 or 45 minutes on the drive-in. It was nothing. She wasn't scared. She had a conversation like she would with anybody else. Situations like that are are when I really see sort of the results and the things that I love about this lifestyle that has challenged and grown, you know, different people in our family. Aside from that, you know, obviously we're getting out, we're going to national parks, we're going to these different sites and my kids are getting to to see firsthand, you know, history and see firsthand geology and all those uh,
1: social studies and and all those things firsthand. Uh, And I love that. Yeah. And you guys are fairly involved with Jill and the full time families group. And how how has how how much has like community played a role in like getting to be around other families since you guys have been traveling? That's been
2: great. I mean, my my kids getting to, to see other families, other kids that are doing similar same lifestyles. Right. So they know they're not the only ones living this way. Full-time families isn't great. They're actually, I actually work with full-time families. I do a lot of, or probably most of their graphics for their events and things like that. They're, they're, friends, may or may not the they're, they're friends who you do they work
1: are, projects with. They're friends who do work projects They are, exactly.
2: <laughs> you, you probably noticed I'm avoiding that client work because I just, I, I don't like it, right? You may or may not know this. I did the RVE
1: Junior logo. No, uh, I did know that. And, and that, it looks and great. Whole, We're putting it on t-shirts.
2: Oh, awesome. Oh, I'd love to see that. I always love seeing stuff that I designed on t-shirts or whatever. And it's, it's really fun. We might be at a campground somewhere and I'll see, you know, something that I designed somebody walking around wearing it. And I was like, how fun is that? It's awesome. But yeah, full-time families has been, you know, a a big part of that. And we met several families that we're still, you know, very close with along the way and, you know, stay in contact with and cross paths with again, you know, we we met uh, a family at the grand Canyon. Uh, We were actually sitting beside them, at a, a ranger talk didn't realize we were sitting beside them until later when on full-time families someone mentioned you know being at the grand canyon day and being at this certain ranger talk and i chimed in and said what i was there and and then they said oh my gosh we were sitting right beside you and this so is the next day we ended up all going on hikes together and hanging out and you know so the, the, once again the kids got to meet other kids that are doing this lifestyle and one of the other great things about i mean homeschooling in general but road schooling if you will is yeah, kids There's no age barrier, right? So kids meet up at a playground or meet up wherever and there's not this stigma of, oh, well, you're a fifth grader and I'm a sixth grader, so I don't hang out with you. So my kids, like I said, will hang out with anybody, you know, younger, older or whatever. And there's not that stigma or that
1: they're not equals. I love that. One of the things for us, I feel like that has made travel a sustainable thing is obviously the income and financial part of it that part of our life is is fine and we're, we're making our living and we're traveling and all that kind of stuff. But the other part of it that I feel like has that has truly made it sustainable for us is like still continuously getting to build relationships and have a sense of community. Even though we're out traveling, like we're intentionally setting our routes around people. And I was talking to somebody here in Destin this week, Arez, who's part also part of the Full-Time Families group. And he said that they immigrated here from Israel. And he said that over the past several years like they had built basically no good lasting friendships with people because like they'd go to their work or they'd come home or he was working from home and like it was just he felt like in the normal constructs of what a lot of we do with our work and kids and everything else like it's hard to build relationships and he's like since we've gotten on the road we have so many good friends now and I thought that's interesting because you pull into a campground and like our friends Mark and Shanae visit us this week here in Destin And we spent three days together and we did breakfast and dinner and we hung out like before and after and they played with Ellie and like they're in our home and it's a small space. (laughs) So, you know, then we can walk around and do stuff together when our time permits. And I feel like you get to go deeper so much faster. This past year when Alyssa and I were in one place for the year, like I don't, I didn't build, I, I met a couple new people that I kind of are now like associates, I guess you could say, but nobody came over to our house for dinner. I'm, I went out for lunch a couple of days at the co-working space with people and I would say hi, but I don't know their spouses' names and stuff. And I think you just have to be, I think it's a lot easier being on the road. Do you guys feel that as well? I do. I, yeah, I, there's, there's definitely a sort of an instant connection between RVers. You,
2: you pull into the campground, you're setting up and it's just everybody is, is in the same vein in a sense. And uh, so you you have that instant connection that way when it comes to families doing that as as well, it's, it's even amplified. But you know, the other thing is when you live in a small space, you're often outside, you know, and, and you're often out doing things or you're, you know you're sitting around the campfire or whatever so there's a lot more opportunities I feel like for conversation like that so that's that's sort of that way you, you mentioned you know connecting on a deeper level faster and I feel like that's part of it we, you know there's been so many campfires where you're just you're sitting around having those conversations with people that you probably wouldn't have any other time on a Tuesday night you know I mean because yeah. any other time a typical stationary house you know a Tuesday night you're going to be in your house watching you know, TV or, or doing whatever with, the, with your family and not really interacting with other families as much.
1: Do you feel like you guys would have stayed on the road as long as you had if you hadn't built relationships with groups like full-time families? I do think that's made it you know, a little uh, easier, uh, especially –
2: with the kids and, and my wife is more of an introvert than I am, so she almost couldn't care less if she met new people. whereas I'm more extrovert and like that, I love meeting new people and having those conversations and, and those things. but the kids love and playing with other kids and those things has helped as well. so we have family in different pockets of the country as well. so as we've traveled sometimes we'll we visit different family along the way, which is another huge benefit to to this lifestyle because right before we took off. Britt's dad moved to Omaha. And when he moved, Britt and I basically said, Well, we'll rarely ever see him now. And we've actually seen him now because of our lifestyle for at least about a month almost every year since then. I feel like that time, that month has been better time than it was when they lived 30 minutes away. Because you go over, you visit for a couple of hours, you know, but you're not having, you know, those everyday conversations like you do when you're there for you know, extended
1: periods of time. 100%. I love that. So I'm going to take us in a totally different direction now and we'll get back to talking sure. about like what you are doing in your business. So you have some remote freelance opportunities <laughs> now as you guys get on the road and you're, you're still pretty new into this. Did you just kind of continue working with those same clients on a retainer basis as you guys are getting out on the road? And that was kind of like the bread and butter for what you were doing from an income perspective. Yeah, pretty much. Like let me back up and say, so our our main business model at the time
2: was essentially we had created this retainer model with really churches in mind at first. There's a lot of smaller churches that really can't afford to have a a full-time graphic designer on staff, but they also need quality stuff. And so I had this idea of, well, why don't we just offer, you know, churches, hey, you can hire me essentially for a few hours a week or 10 hours a week or whatever that might look like. And I'll be accessible week in and week out for whatever need, you know, might come up. And so that model worked really has worked really well. It's still working. And it's been great. I, I the other thing about that is I have so now I have a handful of clients, work projects, right? Weekly work projects. <laughs> so I get to work with those same people week in and week out. So a lot of the struggles for graphic designers, especially when it comes to like the freelance side of things, is that it's almost it's feast or famine. You're you're constantly hustling up new business or whatever, new new work. And for me, I've been able to sort of keep that work coming in on a weekly basis and also work with the same people week in and week out, learn this personality or this church or you know, learn their needs and dial into being able to help them even more because it's week in and week out. And that means it's been really, really good. The the one sort of hard part of building a retainer model, if anyone is thinking about doing similar something similar, is that unless you have a, a couple of people that you're outsourcing stuff to or working with, you're now essentially tethered week in and week out to get the work done. It's been, uh, we're in our fifth year now, I think of of traveling. And I don't think I've taken a full week off in that entire time now. So some people would say, well, you're on vacation like every week. Uh, But that's just not the case. I've taken some lighter weeks where I've tried to get ahead and say, hey, I'm only going to work a couple hours a day or a few hours a day you know, during this week. But I've yet to actually be able to take a full week Quote vacation in that time because of that model. It's been great. I love it. I don't regret it. But that is one of the the struggles in it is actually taking time off.
1: So, whenever you say graphic design for clients, it's kind of a, a lot of different things, I would assume. Like, are you doing everything from designing things on their website to print? Like, what are you actually kind of doing for some of your clients? I'm sure it's a lot, but
2: yeah. I mean, most. (laughs) <laughs> so most of it is more like marketing type stuff and branding stuff, event branding, things like that. It's not so much web. I do handle some web updates and things for some of the people that I work with, but it's not so much web development. I try to stay out of web development because I don't know a lot about it. And I don't really, it's it's an ever changing and I just don't want to learn it. But a few updates here and there I can handle. Most of it, yeah, a lot of print media, things like that, you know, flyers and handouts and brochures and you know those kinds of things so
1: how did you go about figuring out like what is a good amount for a weekly or monthly retainer for clients and the hours that you're going to put in and things like that pricing is is definitely tough uh I, I think
2: for me i i tried to figure out with with these clients you know what what would it cost for them to have someone to do like in-house to do this versus what can I, uh, you know, afford to say this is what I can afford to get paid for this and be comfortable with it. And it'd be a win-win for both parties. Some of that sort of the market will determine a little bit, but that was my mindset was what's the best value for everyone here where I feel you know, like this is worth it and worth my time. And this is also a good value for them and a win for them. Value has been something that over the last year, I've really been trying to like hone in on a little bit in a lot of facets of the business. And, and that's sort of one of them, you know, the value of what I'm charging versus the value of what the, you know, what they're getting. Is it the best value for them? Is it the best value for me? Is, is it win-win for everybody basically?
1: And did you kind of basically say like, here's how many clients... I'm ideally able to bring on at one point. How did you go about thinking about it from like your time perspective? Because you're also, you have a family, you guys are traveling. I know you're working every week, but I'm assuming you're also wanting to have time to, you know, spend with your family and things like that. How did you figure out what's my maximum number of clients and stuff like that?
2: I've had these different levels, if you will, of, okay, this is, a little, a package for up to three hours a week or a package for up to 10 hours a week. And I I sort of mix and match those as different interest comes in. Right. And I say, yeah, well, I can do, I can add another client for three hours a week. And so in my mind, yeah, I wanted to work 30 to 40 hours a week. I wanted to commit anyway, to 30 to 40 hours a week of quote services, if you will, with churches specifically, a lot of that, Timeframe wise, we'll come in Tuesday, Wednesday, and like Thursday mornings, and so Tuesdays and Wednesdays, Wednesdays became very long days for me, which was which was okay. But it, what it happened? What happened was it gave me sort of Mondays to do more planning for the week and working quote on the business instead of in the business as much, and then Fridays is is almost an off day where. I, I do a little more of I, I say accessible, but I'm not really creating on those days. And I may not even be doing much at all on those days other than keeping the communication going and, and those things. So basically have everything sort of concentrated down to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And, and all of my clients kind of know that. So I've kind of set that frame up front with everybody like, hey, pretty much Friday, I'm not going to be able to do anything. You know, I don't create on those days and Monday is almost kind of like that. But if you get it to me like early enough in the week, we'll get it done between Tuesday, Wednesday, and and Thursday.
1: Design is one of those interesting things that even almost all small businesses, at some extent, will need somebody to come in and help with design, unless they happen to be savvy with Photoshop, or even tools like Canva make it way easier now. But with KimGrab Booking, like we've had a contract agency, not on retainer, but we pay them hourly every week, to do various projects for our app or various things we're working on and things like that. And it's like, we're a small company at this point, but that's been like a pretty pivotal part of like our payroll for the past, well, over a year now. I think that's kind of, it is an interesting model to have the recurring monthly billing for different packages as somebody who is a graphic designer. I think that's actually like a really great path. Have you met a lot of other people who are doing something kind of similar in graphic design? I don't really know anyone that's
2: doing something similar and it may be because everybody else realized that, well, that means I'm going to be tethered (laughs) and I don't want that. I don't know anybody else who's really been doing that
1: exactly like I'm doing it now. So have you ever hired somebody else to help out with any parts of managing your clients or have you, it sounds like you've basically done everything.
2: I, I, I've done 90% of it. Occasionally, I, I do outsource some stuff, if, especially if I'm just super busy and I'm just not keeping up because one of my things is I, I want to meet deadlines. I don't think I've ever missed a deadline. I mean, I don't plan on missing a deadline. And that's one of the things that, you know, the people that I work with love is that I'm, I'm going to get it done one way or the other. If that means me staying up all night on Tuesday night, you know, to get it done, it's going to get done. But lately, I have tried to I- integrate some other designers and and send some stuff out to have it to have it done by other people I can trust. That has proven to be one of the struggles with the business really is one finding people that you can trust to get it done, but two, sharing files and and all that stuff can can get sort of logistically chaotic, just getting that stuff shared around and and handled. I've actually considered trying to bring someone on full-time, but it's really complicated just trying to share the files. We
1: both work on them and, and all those things at the same time. I wanted I really was excited. Actually, when I was prepping for this, most of my questions was were actually around Amazon because Alyssa <laughs> and I are really interested in doing Amazon at some point. But we I, I was also really interested in talking about how it's been for you guys as a family growing on the road and how you know how that's been. So it sounds like we'll have to have a continued conversation after this episode. But I really just kind of want to dig in briefly to what you've started with nomadic souls apparel and you have an RV Ultimate Logbook that you're selling as well as t-shirts and other, other items in your Amazon store. I know you said you're getting about 200 sales a month. Is that right? Yeah. It's, uh, when we were closing out the Q3 and Q4 last year, it was two to 300
2: per month with the, with the RV Logbook. The response on that has been incredible, which is awesome and humbling you know, to think of that much of something that you created out in the community that you love. I've yet to actually encounter anyone who actually has one of my logbooks randomly,
1: but I'd I'd love to do that. If you have ever bought one uh, of Brandon's uh, logbooks on Amazon to log your (laughs) RV adventures, reach out to him after this podcast. (laughs) Uh, So with with the, with the Amazon store, it's, it's, obviously a product-based business coming from like you guys were doing service-based for quite a while. Like what was the whole idea with getting the products? Just kind of like it sounded like fun or wanting to dive in Amazon, which is what we want to do. What was the whole intention with that? I've always loved t-shirts. In fact, <laughs> I mentioned the cargo trailer that we have full of
2: you know, quote heirloom type stuff. And we have at least one big box that's just full of t-shirts that for whatever reason I couldn't get rid of. So I, at one point we actually did have a little t-shirt business um, where I was actually printing t-shirts and selling t-shirts at different you know, trade shows and things like that. And I wanted to get back into that, but I didn't want, obviously I can't carry around all the equipment, all that stuff. I found a platform to be able to, to do that and sell those on Amazon. And essentially all I have to do is really design them and price them and upload them and boom, we're selling, you know, t-shirts. So we started, the, we started with that sort of on Amazon. And then I later had the, the idea for the logbook and started looking into, well, how can I create this book and then sell it and put it on Amazon? We created that in December of 2018. I put it up. I think we had like 50 sales in the first month, which I was just blown away by. So once I saw, okay, this is actually a thing, like people actually like this. Um, I actually sent it out to a few different influencers, most of which I already had relationships with and said, would you would you review this? Would you consider it for your blog? And I think all of them did. Then we started developing some other books. I actually just finished a, a new hiking log book called the Ultimate Hiking Log Book. So that is up now. And I think we've actually partnered with full-time families and we've developed some different like composition books and things for families and kids. And I've I'm actually... Making notes and prepping to make like a road trip book with different like road trip games. And some of them are just games that you play talking through, you know, the road trip. Some of them are actually in the book. You play them on paper in the book. So that's probably the next project that's coming up for Nomadic Souls.
1: That's awesome. We have Alyssa's book on Amazon and it's the only product that we currently sell there. But one thing that's been overwhelmingly positive for us is just the reminder of how much of a beast of a marketplace Amazon is. There's no other place yeah, yeah. like it. But it's also a little bit intimidating if you've never sold a product on there. What are some of the things that you would share like three pieces of advice? And again, we could have a whole episode just on Amazon and maybe we'll have to come back and, and do that. <laughs> but what are three things that if somebody was thinking about getting started, whether it was selling t-shirts or a log book that was gonna be sent to people, what, what are three things that you've kind of learned that would be helpful for somebody who is just getting started?
2: Number one, for me anyway, was being resourceful and being able to get in there, figure that out, but then also develop and create the products myself. Um, So I didn't outsource any of that stuff handled it all myself. So you kind of need to be resourceful and just be able to figure things out. The the other huge thing that I would say is you got to be unique because Amazon is a huge marketplace, which is great. But if you're wanting to just put something up, and expect for it to just sell, it better be unique. And even then it's it's possible that no one will ever see it. There's, I think there's over 8 million books alone on Amazon right now. Somebody ha- had very specifically be looking, need to be looking for what you're selling. So I would say focus on a niche specifically, and and that will help. But really, it, it, I think it helps greatly if you can get it out and kind of bring your own traffic to Amazon uh for that as
1: well. One hundred percent. That makes sense. Anything else? Oh gosh. Um <laughs> just list off every no, single thing I, you need. I to mean don't no,
2: <laughs> <laughs> um don't don't expect you know explosive you know growth. Hey, you know the, the logbook has done well but we have uh I've got probably forty or fifty other books on Amazon, you know, which some of them sell a few a month or whatever. Uh, and are you using print on demand have- on Amazon? Yeah. You know, if you can do the layout work yourself, you know, in InDesign or whatever and you can create the cover yourself, you're you're gonna save a lot of your upfront costs other than just your time of creating it and then figuring out, uploading it and titling it and the description and all those things, obviously. You can set all that up yourself. And that's that's kinda why I say you be resourceful and be willing to get in there and just, you know, figure it out.
1: I love it. Well, it's been It's been amazing getting to chat, Brandon. I know you have a lot of different things. And again, I could geek out and ask a lot more questions on Amazon and then probably go down a rabbit hole this week and like want to start a store or something. Well, thanks so much, Brandon, for
0: coming on the podcast, man. Man, super cool. Thanks for for having me on. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening to the episode with Brandon. If you want to check out his Amazon store, go to Nomadic Souls Gear and Apparel on Amazon. You can just type that in or you can connect with him at Brandon at HelloHealy, H-E-A-L-E-Y.com or follow his family on Instagram at Caves of Wonder. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I'll see all of you next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.